Right, uh, and so for our other sponsor of the show, um, we have Wendy Pratter at Magical Journeys Travel. Don't yeah, we do. Yeah. The the very beautiful looking Wendy Pratter. Is she is she on your um, to-do list? Like if you meet her in real life, you're allowed to. She's, um, you know, when you open the wallet. Yeah. She, she's the picture in my wallet. I get you. I get you. But other than our lust uh, for Wendy, um, her and her magical journeys are there to help you plan your next Disney vacation. So whether that's a Disney cruise or a trip to Disney World, Wendy can help you by getting your reservations at midnight, getting those all-important Be Our Guest dining reservations or meet and greets with Anna and Elsa. And uh, I think if you quote this podcast, Craig, get a bit of a discount on your uh, deposit, don't you? Yeah, yeah, $25 off, yeah. There you go. So, next time you want to book a holiday, give Wendy at Magical Journey Travels a little tinkle at WPMagicJourneys.com or on Twitter at WPMagicJourneys. God bless Wendy and all that sail in it. And welcome to uh, another episode of Pop After Dark. Uh, I'm Nick, and I say the words Cherry, Pepsi, and Max more than any other podcast host. And I'm joined, as per usual, by this man. Buongiorno. J'habite à Liverpool. Boston White. That's correct. Boston White. <laughs> I can't remember French anymore. Je m'appelle Craig. Oh, yeah, I can. Je m'appelle Craig. J'habite a Liverpool. Grim grinning hosts. Femme la bouche. <laughs> Just in case I don't realise that, shut your mouth. Of course, we say that lovingly. And we'll talk about those guys a little bit later on. But, Craig, you've been missing for a few episodes So uh, of our other podcasts on the After Dark Podcast Network. So... I suppose all our listeners listening to this episode will be asking, how the devil are you? I'm still alive. I'm still here. Yes. I've, I've just been working. That's it. People need to get from A to B, and I'm the only man who can do the job. That's right. And these podcasts certainly do not pay the bills. They do not. Wow. And when, when you're going to Florida next year, staying in the beach club, staying in the hard rock for two and a half weeks of bliss... These things need to be paid for, and unfortunately, I've got to go back to Florida, and uh, I will be chomping on a Kong Dong, and it will remind me of the orange-headed buffoon <laughs> we like to call Le Malobi. That's French for the Malobi. There are two Malobis, but only one of them has a um, spherical orange head. The other is a pure, beautiful angel sent from heaven to dance on this earth and lighten our life. The other has got a head as round as a Malteser, but as white as my bum. <laughs> we do uh, Malteser him a lot, don't we? <laughs> uh, uh, taxi for Nicholas. So, 
What are you drinking? Nothing. Oh, okay, I've got a, I've got a warm bottle of um... piss. No, Pepsi Max. But oh, I've been left out of the fridge for too long. That's that's same all. Same thing. And I've currently got a dog sitting on my lap. Hello, Finn. You gonna say anything? Get the chappy out. Yeah, he's, he's just started licking my face because he's name, which is a bit odd. But uh, that's okay. Kex. He's not in his dinner yet, so it's all right. I don't smell Kex, it. Kex round your ankles. <sighs> chappy. Take, takes me back to my teenage years. Chappy, that's why, isn't that why we used to get white dog poo? Yeah. Believe. Anyway, enough about this nonsense. Let's talk about some more nonsense. Craig, okay. It's been a while. What? It's been a while. It's been a while. And yeah. uh, we were talking just before we started hitting the record button, um, kind of following on from last time um, about consoles. And actually, before we go any further, Kevin Curtis Allen, he did ask us on the next uh, Pop After Dark to talk about the uh, the Samsung phones blowing up in people's pockets. But to be honest, we've, we've left it so long between recording episodes. It's kind of old news now. So sorry, but we did remember. The Galaxy uh, Note 8 or whatever it's called. That's blown up now. That's how long it's been since the last podcast come out. That's right. The one that hasn't even hit the shops yet is now blowing up in people's pockets. Yeah. But consoles, we were talking consoles. Um, yeah. So I, I want you to elaborate a little bit on what you found. Well, in the 90s, uh, we all moved on from our uh, Commodore 64s, our Sega Mega Drives and whatnot. And I thought... I. I bought the best. I researched. I bought the magazines. I read up. And the first console I bought in 1993 was... 1993. Um, was it an Amiga CD32? <laughs> You're one dirty past. Yes. What? Did you really? Uh, yes. I had one. Oh... I've, I've it, still got, we've still got two boxed, right? Because I think it must have been about 1994, 1995. Rumbelows, Google it, American listeners, or young English people. Uh, Rumbelows were uh, shutting down some stores locally and um, still had some. And so uh, my dad, uh, or Voldemort as he's now uh, known in my life, um... <laughs> Only joking. Um, no, I'm not. Um, he or bought, am I? He bought... No, I'm definitely not joking. Um, he bought um, a couple spare. Uh, not because he needed them, but I think he thought one day they might be worth some money. I think they are. I think they're worth about 30 quid, which is about £10 less than he probably paid for them at the time. Well, at the time when they come out, Commodore had basically gone bankrupt. Yes. And... They didn't have all the crazy licensing fees that uh, Nintendo and Sega had. So you could go and buy a game for the Amiga CD32 for uh, approximately £5. Yeah. £7. Whereas you could go and buy the new Hedgehog game or the new Mario game and it cost you £30, £40. And, but it, it was because of that the games were poo. Do you do you remember? Because I mean, I, I mean, there weren't. There were a fair few games for the for the CD32, but obviously nowhere near as many as the console rivals. Um, and you mentioned uh, that Hedgehog, and obviously Nintendo had that plumber. But can you remember what the the kind of main 
cartoon mascot was for the like Amiga and like Amiga consoles? I'm going to say because I had the game, and I'm pretty certain this is the the the, uh, the main character going forward. It was Zool. <gasps> well, you know what? I wasn't thinking Zool, but yeah, I mean that was that was probably actually the closest to it. But I think the one they were trying to really push was um, James Pond. Oh, James Pond. Yeah. Forgot about that. I had a James Pond game and I had the Zool game. Yep. Now, Zool, I remember him eating Smarties. Uh, I remember... Collecting Smarties instead of coins or... Yeah, I remember there was lots of sweets involved because you yeah. could have lollipops and stuff. And I think there was a time with uh, Chupa Chup. Bertie Bassett's and stuff. Uh, Robo, uh, James Pond. See, I remember the first James Pond on the Amiga 500 was CAC. And then they came out with the far superior sequel. And again, this shows you how British a game it is because of the, the pun. Uh, James Pond 2 was, of course, called Robocod. Robocod. Because he was a fish. And it didn't he have a, a robotic um, pair of legs or something? His, his body... Yeah, so like his legs were his, were, were normal like fins, uh, or whatever the, the tail bit of a fish is, and uh, yeah, his body expanded so he could he could go up for really long distances, so he could climb up through levels. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I had it for a couple of years, and um, it just it just was because Commodore basically didn't have the same pull as the others. It had gone bankrupt. It was coughing up blood when the console come out oh yeah it was a it was a final hurrah yeah being left behind and i mean at that time the sega uh uh, mega cd had come out i think about a year before which was similar uh and i remember some of the the um the video games the the true to life video games and it was all actors in it do you remember um night trap that was one of them, and I remember that that was controversial because it was, uh, you, like, if I remember rightly, it was like girls in a dorm or something, and there were people trying to, uh, to kidnap them. And, Fair uh, enough. Yeah, we've all done that. We've, we've all done that. It's why it was so successful. But um, yeah, it was a little bit uh, raunchy and controversial, and uh, you you almost saw uh, Bristol cities and, and stuff. So. Um, they said it was it was it was too violent and, and sexually orientated and, and had to take it off the shelves. But I, I don't think it actually did. I just think it was Mary Whitehouse and her cronies trying to trying to do stuff like that. That's nuts. Right. Okay. So fast forwarding on. Now I goes to Grand Canary. Well, I meet Stuart Miller. Yeah. In ninety September nineteen ninety four. I can go and get you the date. It was the date England played USA at Wembley in about the September. It was September, a- yeah. After the World Cup, because England were in the World Cup and America flattered to deceive with the big ginger fella, I seem to remember. Alexi Lalas. There you go. Yeah. So we've met up, or well, the following year, we go away together to Gran Canaria, 1995. Now... We're playing Sega Rally Championship arcade game. Yep. And we're playing Daytona. Let's go away. 
the racing game. Yep. Now, again, research, come home, research, buy the magazines. There's a new kid on the block going up against Sega, Sony PlayStation. All right. Sony PlayStation. That's going to be cack. It's going up against the Sega Saturn. And Sega Saturn had Daytona Sega Rally Championship. And it had a football game. Oh, uh, Virtual virtual Striker. Virtual Strike. It wasn't FIFA. And it was top to bottom, bottom to top, not left to right. right. Uh, striker? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's what it was, yeah. yeah. So, me and the Miller man goes into game and he'll tell you how much it was because it was a small fortune. I'm oh. sure it was 600s, maybe. So, I mean, I, I got... So, that Christmas, we, yeah. had, we, we got a choice. It was going to be the family Christmas present. It was going to be a, a console for the first time because we'd always had, like, Commodores and stuff like that. And we'd had this, the aforementioned CD32. And I I was addicted to Games Master. Yes. Game show. And uh, I remember seeing uh, Ridge Racer uh, being advertised on that, and Tekken, and uh, Battle, Arena, uh, Battle Arena to Shinden, I think it was called, which is another fighting game. And uh, I was like, yeah, that's that, that to me looks like a load of fun. That's going to be better than a Sega Saturn. Now, I, like you, actually thought that the PlayStation wasn't going to do as well as a Saturn. But yeah. I like the lineup of games better. So that's what we ended up for for Christmas. And I think, if I remember rightly, a PlayStation with. We got Ridge Racer and we got Tekken. And I think that was about 400 quid. Right. Well, the Sega Saturn was in Great Britain for £399. Mm-hmm. Now, you had to buy your games, you had to buy your memory cartridges, you had to buy your extra console for when you make come round, you know, your handheld um, controller. So that's where the cost went up and up and up. And then you had to buy the the small body of games that you'd played in Gran Canaria. You know, so you're talking four, five, getting, getting up 600 quid astronomical and again Sony I'm, I'm just looking here on Wikipedia where we get all our facts for the <laughs> Christmas market that year Sony allocated 20 million to the market for advertising Jeez. compared to Sony Sega's 4 million wow so that's why it fell flat on its arse well, the thing is as well, because especially, I mean, not so much now. I mean, I, I think now consoles kind of sell themselves. So yes, of course you see them being advertised, but you don't see them being advertised as you did back then. Um, and yet, arguably, they're even more successful now um, than they were back then. Yeah. And slightly cheaper. I mean, they're still fairly expensive when they come out. I mean... I can't remember what the PlayStation 4 was when it came out, but I think that was about 400 quid. Yeah. And I, I know PlayStation 3 definitely was, because that was the first... The thing is, like, the other thing to remember as well is, like, now, if you bought uh, an Xbox 360, it would play your DVDs. Yeah. If you bought PlayStation 3, it played your DVDs and your Blu-rays. 
So you could have something in the living room which was a, an all-encompassing multimedia device, whilst uh, a Sony PlayStation and a Saturn would play CDs. So you could listen to your music for it or whatever. But that that was it. You didn't play your videos or anything. So pretty much you can play a game or listen to a CD and that's it. Not like what we had today. Now, fast forward to 1998-99. Oh, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> right? We've got another new kid on the block. We've got we've got Microsoft Xbox coming out. Yep. I does my own way. I does my research. What does I buy? Go on, have a guess. Play your Dreamcast. Oh, he's three for three. Three for three. Now, this console was pathetic. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No. Let me consign this console to the bin because with the Sony PlayStation, you could get it chipped for your illegal gaming content. Yep. Or you could get a little um, memory card gubbins that went in the back. You would put a spring. You would lift up the CD lid. You'd put a spring in to trick it that the spring, the like, uh, case was down. You would put a real CD game in. It would load up. You would take it out and put your pirate game in and you could play a pirate game. It was a lot of hard work, right? I'd have said mine chipped. You got yours chipped. I didn't want to invalidate my warranty by getting it chipped, so I went the long-winded route. Not which we, was... by the way, condone piracy. No, but it was a different time back then. It was the yeah. 90s. We were all eating gruel and killing our young, right? So that's what you had to do. Yeah. It's a lot of work. The Sega Dreamcast, however, had no such security on it. So you could instantly just get knockoff games and load them in without doing anything. Oh, I didn't know this. Oh, I had nearly every game that they made. Now, do you remember the little chub chub things? Choo choo or choo rocket? Yep. Yeah. Now, do you remember you would have a little mini um, games console inside your controller? Yep. I think. I think. Uh, and I'm uh, right. So one thing, Craig's sitting on Wikipedia. I'm. I'm not looking at anything except, for some reason, Watchdogs on my TV. Um, not the video game, the crappy TV show. Um, I think it's called a Dog VMU. Porn. Yeah. But I don't know what uh, virtual memory unit or something. I'm guessing. So you, you would have like um, I'm sure it was on that chub chub game, choo choo whatever. You would take eggs out with you, and it was all cashing in on them. Um, what are them little things Tamagotchi. called? Tamagotchi. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So you would take your egg, and it was also your memory card. Yep. It doubled up as both, so you could take your game saves to your mates, plug it into his. A little controller and play multiplayer games. It seemed like a good idea, but and I, and I, I don't I, I 
because I bought I didn't buy a Dreamcast until they announced they discontinued it. So what happened was almost overnight the Dreamcast went from like two hundred pounds down to ninety nine pounds to buy the console. Yeah. And I remember going and buy it with uh, two or three games about hundred quid. Um, so I got it to, about a year or two years after it first came out. Um, so I don't know how much those memory card things were, but they must have been a pretty penny because they had like little screen in it. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna back heel a little bit because there's some classic games come out of the Dreamcast. Oh, you, Dreamcast was a fantastic console for games. Crazy Taxi. And also, because Crazy Taxi, by the time the Dreamcast uh, kind of was on its last legs, Sega, they, you know, Sega had kind of said, "Look, we did the Saturn that flopped, the 32X that flopped, the Dreamcast that's flopped." we're not going to spend any more money doing consoles because it just wasn't worth their while. So then they started to license out some of their games to to other things. So uh, Crazy Taxi, I think, was on PlayStation 2, uh, Xbox, I think. Uh, it was definitely on the GameCube. I think there was a Game Boy Advance version. But the only one that was arcade perfect was the Dreamcast because the Dreamcast console... Was the, yeah the was the arcade components they yeah. used exact same technology so um, I had uh, House of the Dead House of the Dead which was awesome with the guns I bought the guns as well because again at this point everything was kind of going cheap I had uh, Sega Bass Fishing oh. with a fishing rod controller I shit you not um, and what else did I had there was another f- there was another shooting game. Jet Set Radio, do you remember that? Oh, Jet Set Radio was awesome. Yeah. Um, Shimu. Oh, yeah, Shimu was awesome. That was no, good. that, that, that flattered to deceive. You can live in the city. It was all real time, and it yeah. wasn't. It was crap. No, it was good. Uh, and you, if you found the arcade, you could go and play like Afterburner and stuff like that and Space Harrier. Yeah, that bit was good, but. Yeah. No, those those kind of games need a lot of time. I mean, I've never really been into Final Fantasy for that reason as well. But no, for for that reason, for the fact that you got proper arcade games and and Virtual Strike was awesome. Virtual Tennis, yeah. Um, it, it actually had a lot a lot of awesome games. Um, and if my friend listens to this, which you probably won't do, but we used to go a few years after Dreamcast died out we would go sometimes to a club night in uh, Camden in London, the electric ballroom, and upstairs in the ballroom, there was like a a kind of balcony section where it overlooked the dance floor and that. Um, And we would go up and lose ourselves for hours on their Dreamcast uh, playing virtual tennis, (laughs) just listening to the music, Um, because they had one of those old-style game pods you used to get in shops like Game and Virgin Megastores. You remember the ones like you know, yeah. like all all behind glass kind of thing, except for the controls yeah. you could play. So yeah, we'd we'd go and do that like in the mid two thousands, way after Dreamcast had gone. But no, I I'm a big fan. And I'll tell you who else is a big fan. Someone we're going to talk about later, because I talked about it on his show with him. Ian Lee, big fan of the Dreamcast. Is he? Yeah, yeah. But we'll talk I've... about him later. Okay, I fell in love with Ian Lee. I'll tell you that now. <laughs> So, so basically, what what you're kind of telling our listeners is that um, you would just always back the wrong horse when it comes to consoles. Yeah, 
and then obviously um you can guess which was the next con i mean don't get me wrong i sold the sega saturn and bought a playstation yeah. and had many happy memories on the playstation mm. um it come out the same time i bought our house the first this house we're living in now i got married in 98 you know so Many happy hours playing PlayStation while my brewer, my wife, was upstairs waiting for me. I was downstairs playing touring cars. Um, <laughs> Alien, do you remember the Alien game on PlayStation? The, um, the uh, Alien Trilogy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was good. That and was the Die Hard one was pretty good as well. Oh, Die Hard, yeah. That was the Abs- start when like, good, games like, like, good video games based on films were still a thing. Yeah, Not definitely. Like all a bit ropey. So I then upgraded my PlayStation for the Dreamcast because it yep. was the next big thing. Yep. So that obviously got kicked into touch for the Xbox. Okay. Uh, instead of the PlayStation 2, we went to Xbox, and that was the first online gaming me and Stuart did. Okay. And that was for Halo. Oh, but it was so uh, long and drawn out and in its infancy, the online game, and you had to buy little extensions, little gubbins, little modems, yeah. all sorts of little contraptions to stick in the back of it just to get it to work. Spent hours on the phone with Microsoft support hmm. getting it working. And I think this was the days of AOL. It must have been AOL dial-up. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. Yeah. Because I, um, I had, I trialed broadband in 2000 for BT, and I had a, uh, an ADSL connection in my in my house, just because my dad worked for him at the time, and we was a trialist, and I was getting about uh, one meg, I think, <laughs> at the time. Now, we'd been used to like 64 bit, 64 kilobit, so uh, you know this was this was huge, and because there was no one on the connection, like no one in the street had it, because it was just a trial. So it meant that I had that whole capacity. There was no no one else was eating it out. Uh, pardon the expression. Um, like no one was interrupting it. So I was getting completely speedy internet to the point where um, this was the days when Napster had just come out. And I would go, right, I want to download some music, not realising, you know, how naughty it was, obviously. Very bad. And I would go, right, I'll, I'll have this album, this album, this album, this album, set them to download, come back after about 10 minutes, and it'd all be downloaded. Oh, I can remember when Coldplay were relevant. Because they're not anymore. They're just old uh, men like us now, just singing on their past glories, but whatever. Um their first album was it Parachutes? Par- uh, yes, yes, it, it was. Oh, yellow. I went to bed. I started downloading that before I went to bed. Got up the next morning. I had five songs. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, because at that time we were all on slow internet connections. Um, I remember uh, trying to download the, not even download. I think stream the Phantom Menace trailer. Oh. I believe that overnight for a two and a half minute, well, probably not even that long actually, uh, trailer. I got 
a, as I was told, a perfect quality video of the Phantom Menace pirate, of course. Yep. It was the it was a fiver. It cost me a fiver, and I bought five of them to give out to all my family. The hype was so big for this film coming out, the new Star Wars film. Oh, my word, how I ate my words. And when I phoned up the fella and said, what you've sold me here is a pile of shite. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Mine's perfect on my telly. Oh, it was snowing, it was hissing, but still watched it. <laughs> I, I remember I went to see it the first showing at my old cinema. Now, what's quite funny about this cinema is that cinema was in Romford and it closed down about a year or so after the multiplex opened across the the road, well, down the road. Um, And then, about four years ago, somebody sold their house to reopen the cinema and it's now the £4 cheap cinema. No way. And it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Everything's the same except all the uh, projections. All the projectors and stuff are now up to date. So they all do 3D and 4K and all that. But did he, uh, yeah, did he stop for an interlude? They did not stop for an interlude. No, we stopped that by the uh, the late 90s. But I remember going to see it. At, uh, uh, it must have been about eight o'clock in the morning, the day it came out in the UK. And I remember leaving there and trying my hardest not to be disappointed by it. I knew it wasn't good, but I think I was so in love with the idea that it was going to be good, that I denied myself how I really felt for a long time. It took, I think about a year or so later, I was like, no, that was really cack. Now, you, you're you the, the Star Wars dude, aren't you? Well, yeah, I suppose. You know, I like the Star Wars films. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But you are the Star Wars fella. Yeah. Now, I have rewatched the um, prequels recently. You, you have my Paul Dolences. And I'm going to go on record that they're not as bad as people make out. Just like a man of the other week, you obviously are entitled to your opinion and it is completely wrong, but you are still entitled to it. Um, I I rewatched them last year. We did a we tried to do a bit of a marathon um, before the Force Awakens came out to try and to try and yep. watch them all, and we we couldn't we just couldn't do it. Why though? Because don't you get the feeling you, if you went in blind, you had none of the adverse reactions from the media and the fan community. So you literally stayed with a bucket on your head, and then you went in and seen that film. What what would you grade that as going in? As as I said though, the thing is, like the first time I saw the Phantom Menace, I was disappointed. And that was before, you know, I saw it the day it came out. There wasn't all the reviews or anything, or I wasn't privy to the reviews anyway, because although I was kind of like on the internet back then and it had come out in America a few weeks earlier, um, I I hadn't really read anything about it. So I went in blind for that one. Now, Attack of the Clones, I can't, I don't think, I, I think that came out before the reviews came out again. So I went to see that and I, I enjoyed it. Um, quite a bit, a hell of a lot more than Phantom Menace. Um, and the when uh, Revenge of the Sith came out, which is the third one, I went to the world premiere of that. And I saw it 
before anyone. There'd been no reviews for it. Um, and that one I liked. Now, going back and watching them, I still think The Phantom Menace is quite poor. Um, but it's probably not as bad as I first thought it was. Yeah, it's, a five, it's a five out of ten. It's a five out of ten. Yeah, I, I, I'd probably, I'd probably go with that. Now, Attack of the Clones, which I would have probably given about a seven or eight when I first viewed it, um, I would now give a six. Yeah. I'll come to why in a bit. And Revenge of the Sith, I would, oh, I'll give a seven. Yeah, and yeah. I've, I've always been quite consistent with that. And there are, there are things in that film that I do hate, but overall, I, I liked it. Um, okay, well, I need to know what you hate in that film. Uh, in in Revenge of the Sith, um, yeah. I in the same way that I didn't like it in in the Phantom Menace. You have a, a character like General Grievous who looks really cool, and you think it's going to be like a, a really decent bad guy defeated over, like too quickly. Um, I but isn't that isn't that the same for everybody in every modern film now? What it is, but like you know, Christopher Lee was in two of the Star Wars films. I like Christopher Lee, but I mean, the thing is, I'd much rather they they'd have like kept. Uh, he was, wasn't he Wars. cut out the third one? He filmed, didn't he? Film all his parts for the third one, but he was cut out of it. You know, what? I know he, I can't he got his head now. chopped off. But... Yeah, I can't. I can't remember now. Now you've said that, I don't know. I'm gonna have to go back and have a look. Um. But I just, I just think like they, they were too, they were too uh, interested in, in creating cool characters. So like, you know, it was the, it was the Boba Fett effect. In yeah. uh, Darth Maul looked really cool. Um, did Darth Maul's pathetic? That's what I mean. Yeah. But he's, but he's probably the coolest looking Star Wars villain. General Grievous looked like he was cool, and he wasn't in the film for hardly anything. And he, you know, I, I didn't like his constant coughing stuff. I know. There was a backstory to it, but who cares? Um, I didn't like nearly any of the dialogue between uh, Anakin and uh, Padme, Queen Amidala. Um, it just, just, just terrible. And the thing is, like, I, I think that the in all three of those films, the problem is that, and what made uh, the Force Awakens such a good film in comparison is that because all the sets were green screen. They weren't acting against anything. And I think it really had a negative effect on the performance of the actors because Natalie Portman's actually a good actress, but she's crap in those films. Ewan McGregor is a good actor, but he's not good in those films. And he hated the experience as well. He hated working on them. You know? and, but, but he's also said he'd go back to the role. Because he, you know, his uncle is in, is in the original Star Wars. Do you not think, though, right, I've, I think we've had this conversation, the Jedis were that arrogant, they were that ancient, they, they couldn't see the, obviously, the uh, forest for the trees, the danger that was right on the tip of the, you know, they didn't know what was coming, spoilers. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? It was the general, uh, whatever his name is, the um, the lord, the baddie. Emperor Palpatine, yeah. That's the fella. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And... But don't you think they were directed? Don't you think they, they come across as very suave, very laid back? They never rose their voice. They never uh, got angry. 
Be, you know, do you know what I mean? They, because that was all leading to the dark side. So they were very controlled in their mannerisms for everything, weren't they? They were very stale, very stagnant, very still. Yeah, no, you're you're right. And but again, I mean, I, I don't think they were particularly good stories. Uh, I think he, I don't know what it is with George Lucas. Like, I mean, I I, I when you go back, so I said about not enjoying Attack of the Clones, right? The reason why I don't enjoy Attack of the Clones and actually feel worse about it over time is because in all of the Star Wars films, he, he's nicked things. But if you go and watch John Carter, yeah. he nicks so much of that. And a lot of a, a lot of the action sequences in Attack of the Clones are very similar in John Carter. And for those that don't know, John Carter came out uh, around the early like, 1900s. Oh, sorry, yes. the early 20th century. So, like, you know, 19... 19- 10, 20, around that kind of time. So, a lot of, you know, it's not that um, John Carter stole it from Star Wars, it's the other way around. And it, you know, it just kind of, that that one in particular really kind of glares at, you know, what was influencing him. And there's nothing wrong with influence, but it seems like what we all thought were original ideas were just kind of nicked off other people and just slightly spun around. Now, the original Star Wars films... He only wrote the first one, am I correct? Uh, he only directed the first one. And the others he brought in... He brought did in he other write, directors, yeah. Did he, did he not have other writers, or did he write I, all of I, them? I think, he, I think he wrote them with other people. But on these, the prequels, he did everything himself. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it showed. It's, uh, it, it, yeah, it's typical of people that think they... I get it, it's his baby and everything, but... Sometimes you need somebody to tell you no, that's not good. Sometimes you just need a slap. Yeah, that as well. But so I mean I don't I don't think they're the worst things done to mankind, but at the same time, I would love to see those original three done again. And the other thing as well on that, just the, the final thing I'll say, is another reason that I, I don't like them and I think a lot of people feel the same way is that again, going back to how it was filmed they don't look anything like the original films. Now, no. when, when you're talking about films that are set before those, you need to try to make them look very similar or, in, in a way, older. And yet, they they look too new. They look too modern. Yeah, but don't you think They're that fake. was because, because the Empire, by the time you get to Star Wars and you hope... Um, the Empire has been ruling for so you know how long? How old's Luke Skywalker? Sixteen. Mm. So it's been ruling for sixteen, seventeen years. So everything's a bit dirty. Everything's a bit manky. Whereas um, it's not, but it's not. It's not about how clean things look. It's it's the fact that it's like nothing looks real. That's the well, yeah. thing. That's the thing. When you you know those original films, they have sets. They have locations. The the, like you know, episode seven and episode eight, they've been filmed on location with real sets. The Millennium Falcon was built. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, yeah. Those, in those new, you know, in episodes one, two, and three, nearly everything was an effect. Yeah, they were act- acting with tennis even, balls on sticks, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, even the, even like the, the spaceships, a lot of those weren't actual sets. They were just, you know, waiting to be filled in afterwards. They'd sit in a box. Now, isn't isn't there an argument then for him to go back in now the technology has moved on and it has magnificently i mean it if you 
go back to the first Harry Potter film, some of the CGI of um, Soft Lad on his broomstick is pathetic. <laughs> yeah, or, but, but you know And the what? original Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire. When Tobey Maguire's doing his stuff as Spider-Man flying through the, the, the air, it's pathetic. But this is what I don't understand about CG, CGI, right? Is the fact that the first, the first two or three big CGI films, right, that I can think of were The Abyss, James Cameron's The Abyss, Terminator 2, and Jurassic Park. Have you seen any of them recently? Yeah, I, I watch Jurassic Park quite regularly. Jurassic Park, for me, has still got some um, dolls in. Some puppets. Yeah, no, it has. Yeah, it has. Now, the CGI, I think, in Jurassic Park is of its time and is now weak. No, I disagree. You you telling me that the T-Rex in Jurassic Park looks dodgy? I'm talking about the big um, Brontosaurus things. I mean, let's not start on the fact that not one of them's got a bum hole because even in Jurassic Park, <laughs> Jurassic World... <laughs> If a dinosaur is going to be real, it's got to have a great big rusty balloon. That's why Anne Hayes is not in the Jurassic series of films. Okay, that's all I'll say on that. Yeah, I, I know, I know, I know what you mean to an extent, but I actually think those films still hold up really well, whilst a lot of modern, even more modern CGI films, which should have better effects, don't. No, to be honest, there's nothing you can do to that original Star Wars trilogy to bring it up to speed, except film them again with proper sets and maybe some better acting. But like, keep the same storyline? Uh, no, the storyline needs to be changed. Well, no, not the storyline so much, but uh, some of the content, so, some of the dialogue especially, is, is very, very wooden. I've always struggled with the timeline of Star Wars, the whole, you know, the whole six films. My wife. The first, My wife! She does as well. The first Star Wars, Anakin is about six, is he? Yep. So that's where it all kicks off. He's yeah. six. By the time he becomes Darth Vader, 17, 18? About that, yeah. So he's then Darth Vader until Luke Skywalker is, again, 17, maybe? Yeah. So he's now 34. So Darth Vader's about 34 at that point. Yeah. Now, when he gets struck down... By his own son. Yep. He's got to be maybe that whole. You see, the first three films take 10 years to, to play out. 10, 12 years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then there's a 17 year gap while Luke Skywalker grows up. Mm-hmm. And then the, the last three films, they've got to be like over two years, haven't they? No, no, I'd say, I'd say a bit longer than that. I'd say probably about five. I'd say probably about Just, five years. So Darth Vader's basically the same age as Elvis when he dies. And probably looks about the same, to be honest. Fat and bloated around the face. Yeah. But, you, but the yeah. thing is, you've got to remember with Darth Vader is that that suit was kind of keeping him alive. So you don't know what was going on there. Do you know um, what I mean? Like, to, to, like, to kind of like make him deteriorate. You, you you look do you know when the rage he has at the end of um, Revenge of the Sith yeah when he put the mask on yeah what, why did that have to be CGI because George Lucas loves it 
it was why wasn't that an actor in a suit? Just I, I I watched it recently and I was oh my god that's not even a real thing. And and, and no, <laughs> that that's another thing I hate about it. Let, let's not talk about it because I'm just gonna you know let's stop talking Star Wars because one people might be getting bored, but secondly you're gonna start making me realise why it annoys me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hello there, dear listener. Thank you for joining us for another After Dark podcast on the After Dark Network. Um, we do these shows for you for free, and um, they do cost money to to make and upload. So um, this is a brief advert, and once this advert uh, has finished, we'll be back on with the show. Uh, thank you. Hey, Diz After Dark listeners. I want to invite you all to join us over on ScareZone, Halloween Horror Nights podcast. ScareZone is a news, interview, history, and commentary podcast all about... Universal's premier Halloween event. It's hosted by fans and experts like me, Logan Seculo, former WWE superstar Scotty Too Hotty, and Diz After Dark's own Chris Ripley. Subscribe however you get podcasts and head over to scarezone.com for more information. We here at the show are proud supporters of Diz After Dark. And remember, keep your eyes closed and your ears open on Scarezone. As Claire Rayner used to say, Yes, my TVs. Let's press on. <laughs> Another one you might have to Google. Um, yeah, so we've, we've talked consoles and we've talked Star Wars. Um, what did you want to talk about next? Well, you know, we're podcasters, as you know, because we're podcasting as we speak. This is. And I think we've, we've uh, brushed on... Um, when we had podcast recommendations uh, on one of the earlier shows of uh, Pop After Dark, there's a bit of a triangle formed in my head at the moment Mm. of three people, podcasters that I just can't stop listening to. They're all UK-based. And I've just got uh, just a lot of love for them. The, The show topics, some of them are crying with laughter some of them uh, as your friend uh, Ian um, what's his face was on the books and show the other day Ian uh, what's his name? Ian Lee Ian Lee that's the one I've been up 19 hours now Uh, (laughs) Ian Lee talks you know celebrity Celebrity in the nineties, he's fell off the radar. I th- I didn't know that he that's who he was until I looked at the pictures of him. He's a bit bloated now. He's a bit you know middle age, yep. bit of a beard, nervous breakdown, and he's talking on the Adam Buxton uh, podcast about suicide as recently as two weeks ago, mm. well, whenever the recording was recorded, pulling his car over, contemplating suicide, you know. Absolutely unbelievable listening to it. Phenomenal radio. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, so I'm I'm guilty. Um <laughs> I'm I'm kind of the one that kind of uh brought this to your attention a little bit. And funny yeah. enough actually, of, of of all of those, um because we haven't mentioned Pip yet, but of all of those, um the, the Adam Buxton one I haven't actually listened to for a while. Not just just because I, I haven't got round to, not because of any other reason. I mean, I've been listening to Adam, or I've been following Adam Buxton since the Adam and Joe show on Channel 4, which was about, oh, must be 
coming up to about 20 years now, like since that was made. Um, and um, and I've I've always enjoyed his work. Ian Lee, I Ian Lee was the 11 o'clock show, and that's where Ali G started. And actually, Ricky Gervais started on that show as well. That's where he yeah. kind of got his TV break. And I remember, you know, I that was a central viewing for a 16-year-old at sixth form. Like, every yeah. night that was on, uh, I think it was on about three or four times a week, and we'd be talking about the next day um, in sixth form, um, or college. And um, so I've, I've, I've followed him, and I've followed him to different radio stations as well, because his career now is pretty much radio-based. But... Um, yeah, I mean, when you when you mentioned that about the, the suicide attempt, um, he didn't turn up for work. He does a wow. he does a, a radio show five nights a week, so it's not like a a sob story kind of thing. This it actually happened. Like um, he sent a tweet out saying um, not going to be, or someone tweeted out on his behalf saying that he wasn't going to be doing his show that night. And sure enough, he was he was kind of uh, back the next day. Um, but yeah, he he's someone that suffered with um, with with mental health issues, and he's he's quite open about it. And I think what's good about uh, about someone like him in in that position is the fact that it's it's not the only thing he talks about, but he's he's open to talking about it publicly. And I think it's one of those things that generally people have not really talked about. And I think it's right that he does, and I, I wish other people would as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, he wouldn't call himself brave, but I think in some ways it, it is kind of brave to be open and honest about that kind of kind of thing. Um, have you have you listened to him on Scrooby's Pip yet? Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I mean, Scrooby's Pip is is a genius anyway. Yeah, such a good show. I'm bang up to date on Scrooby's Pip. I've just listened to the, the latest episode that dropped today. I listened to right. it this, this afternoon while I was doing the ironing. And uh, again, it's a, it's another, it's a post-Trump election episode. Um, well, well just, we started a trend with that last week, so let's not give yeah. uh, people all the credit for that. Yeah, it's uh, nomore.org. And uh, it's a... Uh, I think it's Brian Dolan or Bobby Dolan or Billy Dolan. It, it's it's B Dolan, not to be B. confused with our own P Dolan. Yeah, I think it's a cousin. Oh right, okay, he's an American cousin. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, like my uncle George. Yes, oh, I've just been slagging off for the last twenty minutes. Yeah, so <laughs> what I'm going to say is take the time to go and search for these three podcasts. They're not going to be in the show notes because I can't be asked doing show notes. <sighs> if you want to. So you've got Distraction Pieces podcast with Scroobius Pip. Go and work through the back catalogue. There's some absolutely belting episodes in there. Then you've got the Adam Buxton podcast. Again, the latest one is Matt Berry. And <laughs> it's brilliant. He is very... Exactly, and then obviously the last one is the it's a, it's a, an edited version of um, Ian's uh, radio show. Yeah, yeah. So three hours condensed down to around about an hour, generally. And this is hard work because they're so regular, they're daily, and there's even sometimes two a day. Yes, yes, occasionally, yeah. And I don't know if you've noticed, um, but quite a few callers 
Because I'm... Um, so, so Craig knows this because I told him. I, I actually call in quite regularly to Ian Lee um, as Bruce from Ilford. Um, and I had to give myself an alias because of the first thing I talked about was a little bit controversial. Um, not not slant, not not quite slanderous, but um, you know it was a bit risky. So I, I gave myself a fake name about my old to do my old career in TV, and um, and it kind of stuck. And when you phone on when you phone into talk radio, um, they they keep a record of who you are. So whenever I phone in, they know. It, it's Bruce because the number I call him from, so they 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 know me on there fairly well, and quite a lot of the callers when they phone in, are gr- uh, greet Ian by saying hip hip hip, um, and I actually was the first person to use that to Ian Lee, um, and he adopted it as the kind of catchphrase of the show. And you still uh, you still phone in? I I've not phoned in for. About two weeks. I mean, there were times I'd probably phone in two or three times a week. I was that regular. Uh, but now I, I just phone up on on occasion. But um, yeah, I phoned up a few weeks ago, didn't I? Because I, I, I yeah. told you what episode it was. It was in talking about my kids. But um, yeah, so um, yeah, so if you hear a familiar voice and not recognise the name, it's probably me on that. But. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think all three of those are great shows. And what I would also say as well is I've got a really nasty habit when I listen to podcasts that have interviews of purposely going for shows of people that I know. So with Scroobius Pip, uh, he's interviewed everyone from Russell Brand to Simon Pegg, um, Nick Frost, and, and you kind of go, oh, well, I know their work, so you'll, you'll kind of listen to their episodes. But some of the uh, most entertaining episodes are people that you may not be uh, aware of. So um, Rufus Hound is a British comedian. His episode's really good, and that was one of his early episodes. Um, so that that's one to kind of um, to kind of check out. But um, yeah, so that's that's my tip if you're going to go through those is um, don't just go for the big names. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, definitely. And we've got to give a shout out to um, a new podcast that has ne- it. It's still it's still in the birthing canal, I think, isn't it? It it hasn't sprung out of the podcasting vagina yet. It it hasn't burst out of an egg like Monkey did in the opening credits of the nineteen seventies kung fu uh, soap opera Monkey. Um, but I believe it will be coming out soon. It's not screaming uh, a purple covered in uh, vaginal discharge and other discolorations with uh, an umbilical cord attached to it and a placenta gushing out all over the floor. It's it's the, the four balloon heads, borderline special needs that we all like to uh, refer to as unknown as yet but soon to conquer the world uh, grim grinning hosts yeah, see what they've done there play on words play on words other, of course other types of discharge are available um, not just yeah. the ones that Craig listed um, but yeah it's kind of um, a bit of a hodgepodge isn't it of, yeah. of talent and that that's, that's not an insult that just talks about the different backgrounds that they're from it's like the Beatles one of them got together with a Rolling Stone and they got together with a monkey 
and they got together with one of Simon and Garfunkel. That's what it's like. Yeah, it's, probably, it's not a bad description. So you've got Hunter from UUOP. You've got Travis from Dead Man's Digest, which itself has sprung from the vagina of UUOP. Then you've got Adam. Uh, what's his second name? It's a bit weird, isn't it? Buck Lightning. Yeah, Buck Lightning. President Buck Lightning from uh, the Metal Hand of God podcast, amongst others. And then you've got a, a, an unknown, I've never heard of him before, in the loop, Kenny. Now, allegedly, he wees sitting down, but he poos standing up. I I quite often wee sitting down, but I do not, I've never tried to poo standing up. Kenny can do that. Uh, all hours of the day so that's quite a talent though that is that is quite a talent you've got quite credit for that one. and I don't know what the in the loop bit is well it's, it's his podcast it's in the loop but I think he's notorious for drilling glory holes in amusement park toilets I believe that is where he's got his reputation from yeah mm. Mm. so and that's that's how he met Hunter that doesn't surprise me uh, I yeah. don't know Hunter all that well, but anyone that can be uh, such a close associate of the Malabies must have some kind of skeleton in, the, in their closet like that. Well, so Hunter literally walks with a lisp and talks with a limp. <laughs> <laughs> so, so look out for that. Uh, in fact, no, actually, you know what? I think they have released it because I'm sure I shared it. I think I should it on our on, on our Days After Dark page. That's that they've put out a show zero to a select few. Oh well I've shared it. Oh yeah, yeah. Just put um, it out there. Yeah. Yeah, so go and give it a listen. It is the, the only thing I would say, and uh, they, they did ask for um any advice or anything. So if they are listening to this, which I hope they will do at some point, my only uh my only advice to you is to try and keep it under the time that you did because the first episode zero is about two hours and I do struggle with podcasts that are over about an hour and a half um, how long have we been recording? no we're not even at, at the hour mark yet so that's alright but um, yeah so that's that's my only thing is that I you know I'm more likely to listen to you if you're an hour to just over an hour but two hours is uh, yeah I mean they do apologise for that don't they it was a getting to know me because half of them have never met yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they just get in a dark room and record together. That's what we do. Well, yeah. Except without the dark room bit. Yeah, but we're naked. I wish we were. Oh, I'd love to. Um, we were. There was one thing you we talked about talking about earlier on, and we haven't. So uh, this could be the last thing if you want it to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you want. But actually, before we talk about that, I am going to just say to anyone that's not watching it already, um, go and watch the 20th season of South Park. Oh. I know a lot of people stopped watching South Park a long time ago. About, um, about it, season four. That's it. That's when most people did. I stopped for about four or five years and actually realised what they did with South Park was become 
um, incredibly um, smart with their stories. That wasn't about kids being uh, kids swearing. It was actually about uh, making political and social comments in in form of their cartoon. And uh, it's actually been it's actually been very good for a long time now. Um, and this season has mainly been around, as you'd imagine, uh, Hillary and and Trump. Um, I'm not going to tell you about how they've done it, but um, yeah, go go and watch it. It's very good, and there's uh, a nice subplot involving uh, Star Wars Episode Seven and uh, people uh, reminiscing about the good old days, which all kind of comes to a head. So um, yeah, go and watch that if you if you're not watching South Park. But no, we were going to talk about the um, the kind of it's not breaking news because it's it's kind of led to rumor at the moment. But, oh yeah, yeah. But it's you know because it could be something quite big. We thought we should we should talk about it. We do talk about it a little bit on Diz After Dark on the latest episode, but this is Pop After Dark. It's different, so we've got a different spin on it. So go on, Craig. Well, there's rumours rife that Disney are about to purchase Netflix. Now, for me, Netflix is not suffering at all. It's not going under. The TV that they're producing is far better than anything that their terrestrial brothers are putting out there. You know, it's for me, it's a growing uh, product. And if Star Wars and Lucasfilm goes for four billion, what does Netflix go for? And why would they want to give it to Disney so Disney can basically carve it up and? doing it because disney's got the attention span of a gnat when it comes to new product lines uh vinylmation zum zums um that stupid disney computer game that they threw a bit of money at and then give up after a year uh, <laughs> they're notorious for wrecking stuff although they have had successes with star wars and marvel um that's through no fault of their own, and I just think it's going to be a massive mistake for Netflix to uh, to to sell off when they don't need to, and leave it alone, Disney. I like what you you've gone with, Craig. There, I've got to say, but let's just put a few things straight. When we're talking about merchandise, that is a part of Disney. You're absolutely right. It's an arm of Disney, but it's not the same arm that controls the media, the entertainment arm of Disney. It's not the same arm that controls the theme parks, for example. They're different. They're different entities. Now, when it comes to the entertainment side of things, you're right. They bought Marvel, and they bought Star Wars. Now, both of those, you're you're right in kind of getting a bit complacent or whatever. But let's look at how successful those brands have become they bought marvel just when it was starting to pick up momentum again after like you know nearly dying about five or six times within a space of a few years and they have ran with it on top of that i mean like marvel superhero films now are massive much bigger than anyone thought they could be billion dollar industry oh more multi-billion dollar star wars now i remember when they started talking about George Lucas setting up to Disney and everyone going, oh, they're going to ruin it. And I was like, look what they've done with Marvel. They're not just buying it so they can ruin it. They're, buy- they're spending that much money on it because they want it to make money. 
And The Force Awakens became the second biggest film of all time. What BT? Avatar. Oh, yeah. Avatar. Which which they've got put in the theme parks as well, yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, it, they've, you know, Star Wars made more money last year than, I think, the DC films put together. Uh, you know, it, it's massive. That is massive. And look at the plans. So, they've started releasing... Uh, single story so like we've got rogue one this christmas we've got the hand solo film that will be coming out um you know ewan mcgregor possibly coming back for an obi-wan kenobi film so they're all things that they're doing now let's look at netflix let's go back to netflix and and the, the relationship there so there's a few things first of all we talked about marvel now marvel films are massively successful marvel's tv on uh American network television Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not very good and isn't or oh, well, I last watched it a long time ago but allegedly it's not very good and uh, is not doing particularly well it hasn't done particularly well for a good few years now look at the Marvel look what Marvel have done with Netflix they've got Daredevil yeah Jessica Jones Luke yeah. Cage yeah Punisher, Punisher. Um, Iron Fist is coming, and so is the the Defenders, I think it's called, um, yeah. which is like their their, their their kind of little Avengers world of those superheroes. So they have been phenomenally successful with Netflix. Now, another thing over in the UK, I think it's just in the UK, we have Disney Life. No, I'm sure that. Well, I listened to the Diz Unplugged today, and they're talking about this Netflix palaver. And they didn't reference Disney Life in any way, shape, or form. No, because I think it's... I, I'm not sure if it's just UK or it's Europe, but it's definitely in the UK. It may be in a few European territories, but Disney Life is not an American project. There, there's nothing. Now, that reason for that is because Disney have a deal with Netflix in America. Ah... Now, we don't have that deal here because over here they've got things tied up with Disney Life, but more importantly, with Sky. We yeah, well, all the uh, films are on Sky. Now, Disney Life, I had it for a month. They actually took a payment off me, and I got it because we've got my two kids, we've got my nephews and nieces, and between all of them, you could share the family account. Yep. So, all the kids had Disney Life on their iPads. They had to sign in constantly yep. because of it. it was riddled with bugs. Then they would download films which you were allowed to do, which would vanish. So, they'd ha- so you'd get in the car, you'd be setting off, you'd go to put Pirates of the Caribbean on, it's not there, it's gone. Yep. And it was constant. Then you're trying to stream to your Apple TV via AirPlay, it would freeze, it would crash, the lip syncing was out, it was pathetic. And when I phoned them up and said, look, I'm cancelling it, I'm expecting them to go, please don't go. We value your custom. We we want you to continue paying £10 a month. We're going to give it to you free for two months or three months to stay with us. But they just went, yeah, all right, see you later, ta-da. And that's, that's it. I mean, I, I've had Now TV. So we had Now TV last year for the films. Um, you can buy passes 
Um, yeah. You can, you know, you can get them through boxes. People sell them as well, so you can get them a little bit cheaper. And we had a pass, and when that pass ran out, I went to cancel it because it auto renews. And when I left, like they, they ask you about three or four times, Are you sure you want to leave? Are you sure you want to leave? And the last time you do it, they say, look, if you stay, we'll do this deal. And I think I got movies for six months for like three ninety nine a month. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll have that, rather than paying £10 a month. Now, that's because they try and incentivise you to stay, because they want you to remain as a customer. And the same with you, when we had Disney Life, um, when we tried to, to get rid of it, no problem. Oh, okay, okay, thank, thanks for using it. That was it. And you're like, well, that's not a good business model. Now, you get 10% off in the Disney store if you're a Disney Life customer. Well, I get 10% off because I'm a shareholder, whilst that's still a thing. Um so that's not a massive incentive, and unless you were spending lots of money every month in Disney Store, I don't think it's a lot. The content, as we said, isn't isn't you know it's good, but it's not fantastic. So all the latest films, so like uh, for example, when we had it last year, Big Hero Six was being shown on Sky, um, and so was Frozen, which meant they weren't on Disney Life. So I imagine that Zootopia will be the same when that comes onto Sky. It won't be on Disney Life. So. You get a lot of the films, but not all of them. And when we went to Disneyland Paris this year, <coughs> we had it so we could put some films on the iPad for my daughter to watch on the train. We downloaded Lilo and Stitch. She watched it, fine. Um, when we were coming home a few days later, it disappeared from the iPad. Yeah. Just just disappeared. It was there, then it wasn't. And we didn't have time to download it again. So it defeats the object of, of downloading a film as far as I'm concerned. Because you have to watch it through the apps. It's not like you can download it on your film and not have the account. If you don't have the account, you can't watch the film, whether you downloaded it or not. So I don't understand it. It just seemed very flawed. So they've all. What I'm saying is, is that you know Netflix and Disney already have a good working relationship, and so I think if they continue in the same vein that they've been doing with the other properties they've bought, such as uh, Star Wars and Marvel, and kind of leave it for the most part alone, and just you know make more things about. It. I, think that, I think that's fine. I think that's only for good. And why are Netflix looking to sell? I'll tell you why. Because their numbers are still good, but they can see the trouble in the water. Because what is the trouble in the water? Because Netflix is on every single device. Doesn't matter. The thing is, like Netflix doesn't. You know, obviously it's global, but it it still focuses very much on America. Now in America, um, so over in the UK we have iPlayer, we have BBC iPlayer, we have ITV Player, and we have Five on Demand, whatever. So we can watch our terrestrial channels again. But when it comes to streaming, we have Amazon Prime and we have. Um, Netflix and that's it in America you have things like CISO which is all about comedy so nearly all of the comedy programs are on there um, they have Hulu, Hulu, Hulu Plus Hulu Plus, and that lets you watch what you missed last night on TV so you know anything that was on Fox that was on ABC that was on CBS whatever is on that CBS are now launching their own platform which is going to be showing the new Star Trek series for example um, and also this week, DirecTV was bought by, uh, was it AT&T, I think, which is Time Warner. Now, that would show things like you know HBO shows, for example, which you do not get on Netflix. 
this is why Netflix are trying to produce as much content as possible. It's because they can't have the content people are watching elsewhere. Now, if AT&T buy a bought DirecTV and start offering their own kind of streaming service that has HBO and all of the other, uh, like True TV and all these other networks for a monthly fee like they have with Netflix, people are going to go, right, what do I want to spend money on? Do I keep buying Netflix or do I pay this much more and I get this service that gives me things like Game of Thrones? Now, I don't like Game of Thrones. It wouldn't bother me at all. But that would sway a lot of people's decisions because people go where they can watch the stuff that they want to watch. So there's there's a lot more competition for Netflix across the globe than they, they have certainly in this country. Well, our now, now TV is Sky. Yeah. You know, so for £6 a month, I was able to watch Game of Thrones through Fox. Yep. On oh no, sorry, through HBO on the on Now TV, six pound a month. Yep. Now that that's Sky. I'm on Virgin. We can't get it. Whatever. Um, the kids we pay two ninety nine a month for Now TV for the entertainment package for the kids. Uh, so they can watch on their iPads or Nickelodeon all that type of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so what are Disney going to bring to Netflix apart from a massive price hike? And probably they're going to ruin the app. They're going to dumb it down. They're going to, next thing, it won't be on the Apple TV. It'll be pulled off the Apple TV. It'll be pulled off the smart tellies. No, and- it won't. Look, there's a reason. the reason why Disney Life was on Apple was because they didn't sort of pull their fingers out and get the app sorted out. They wouldn't take that off of, look, Disney and Apple have a good relationship, generally. But, but Disney and, and Apple own each other. Pretty much. They've both got shares in each other. Yeah, but so I mean, I I, I don't see that. I, I think that's that's very much a worst case scenario. I, I honestly do not think that's something that we need to be worried about if that was to even happen. But the point is, is that people now. I mean, I, I was having a conversation with somebody recently who was thinking about leaving Sky. Now I have uh, I have BT TV. You have Virgin. So neither of us uh, give money to the evil man known as Murdoch, except. Both of us have been guilty of using Now TV, which does pay money to Murdoch. But I do not understand why people insist on spending, you know, 60 to to £100 a month for Sky TV when you can pay 6 99 for the TV, 9 99 for the movies, so that's 17 quid, give or take, a month to get nearly all of the Sky features. All, all the yeah. Sky channels that you're going to watch on I've demand been, when you want to watch them. You know, I've been I've been tweeting Virgin Media back and forth this week because we've got a TiVo box. We were one of the first people to get a TiVo box. We've had it for five years now. Mm-hmm. It's it's obsolete. Yeah, it's pathetic. It's slow. It dawdles. It's got a 500 gig capacity are you talking no. about tivo or lee manaby sorry i got I, I got confused then same thing okay it's and we're paying and considering i i'm staff I work for virgin trains i get next to no discount mm-hmm. it's pathetic mm-hmm. i'm a cable cutter i want to cut the cord it's happening across the planet people are going enough's enough i can go on now tv six pound a month three pound a month 
Um, I can go to Netflix. I mean, my Netflix went up to £8 a month. Yeah. He said to me, you're going to pay £6 a month for the next two years because I was on the, the original package. You know, so... Yeah, well, mine mine recently went up. I joined Netflix when it first launched, and they've just put mine yeah. up. But they but they put everyone else's up about a year ago. So yeah, so yeah. yeah. So rate, but... you're right. Cable cutting is a thing. It's massive. And in America so... as well, like people pay a similar amount. I, I saw. I remember looking at uh, seeing adverts when we was out there a few years ago, and there was two or three big cable providers, um, and people were paying you know, hundreds, over $100 a month for cable and not getting all the channels because some of them were, were exclusive to the other provider. So, you know, with all of these, I, I do think in the next five to ten years, we won't have Sky in the UK and you won't have cable providers um, across the pond. You will have all of this content on demand. You'll just be paying everyone else different sums of money separately to get all the content you once had under one bill but at your convenience the thing for me that is interesting is apple considered buying the rights to the english premier league Uh, now sky ultimately and bt ultimately won it between them for the biggest pay day in history for premier league football was it four billion or something whatever it was ridiculous ridiculous sum of money yeah now, on the Apple TV, I've got the fourth gen in front of me here. You've got the NFL, the NBA, the OMG, whatever other sports, right? Yep. Now, you, you can buy a season ticket for 100 quid, for 120 quid, for all the, the American football games, for all the baseball games, for all the basketball games. Yep. If, if you're a West Ham fan, I'm a Liverpool fan. If Apple bought the rights... To Premier League football, and they said to you, you can have the West Ham app, and you can have every West Ham game screen live into your house. You're going to pay for that. Yeah. Two hundred pounds a year, a hundred pounds a year. So you're not giving the money to Sky. You're giving it direct to Apple. It were just giving you the content you want to watch. I don't want to watch, no disrespect, I don't want to watch West Ham versus Middlesbrough or Southampton versus fucking Otter's Pool. I, you know, I want to watch Liverpool games. But that's, that's the thing. I mean, you know, I was having this conversation with somebody at work a few weeks ago uh, about, you know, I couldn't justify paying for the sports package. Now, the sports package is the most expensive of all the, the Sky packages. So I think it's about £30, £40 a month, something like that, just for the sport. Now, you're not entitled... You can't watch all of the games. You watch what they put on at that time. And most of the time, you know, for every time there's a, a an Arsenal-Spurs derby, there is, you know, Southampton... knowledge. Yeah. And, and you don't want to watch that. And I said to him, like, for me, I'd only watch one maybe two games a month probably and he's like yeah well because it, you know i pay the money i watch as many games as possible and it's like but that to me is not fun that's you trying to justify why you're spending that money but that's exactly why you shouldn't be the price of football uh they're spending on football is obscene and it's transformed the game into a, a terrible terrible uh thing now it's a terrible terrible beast um 
and you know it's a it's a worse place because of it but it is what it is and there's nothing we can do um i would love for the next uh, premier league negotiations for bt to pull out completely and leave sky having to pay for everything i think that would be an interesting situation um or them both just turn around and go you know what we're not bidding anywhere near as much as as we did last time because it's just turning to this ridiculous war and when's it ever going to end um, the only people that lose out are the football fans, really, as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, but, but you're right, that is that is potentially going to be the future, that they do deals like that, um, and we will be suckered into paying for it. Because, to be honest, what it costs to go to a game, if somebody said you can watch all the games for 100 quid, I probably would do. don't have to travel on the trains, I don't have to worry about queuing up, uh, you know, walking around in the rain, I can just sit at home with some beer, watch the game at my convenience. You could have the West Ham app. You could watch the build-up. You could watch the match. And then you could have access to Apple's version of Match of the Day to be screened at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night with the highlights from every other game. Take my money, Apple. That's it. That's it. That's what you need to do. So, But flipping it round to Disney and Netflix. Yeah. What what's going to happen? I I I don't know, but the the, the one thing. So I, I said that one reason why Netflix want to sell is because of that. The other reason is because it's become a bit stale. And what I mean by that is that as as most companies do when uh, they have shareholders, uh, as we talked about on Disaster Dark this week with uh, Disneyland Paris, um, you have quotas to hit. And whilst Netflix are still profitable, what they're not delivering is the number of um, of customers that they are projecting. They're not hitting those numbers. Now, they're not massively, massively out in the grand scheme of things. However, um, you know, they are not doing as well as they'd like to be doing. So, yes, they're successful still, but is that bubble going to burst? And well, why not worth their salt, that owned a company and they thought, hmm... I'm not sure if this is going to continue being as successful as it is in the next few years, and here's somebody's interested it's going to sell. Yeah, I mean, I look at Twitter, they've just bought the rights to some American football. So, yeah, you can watch American football on Twitter now. I, and now, like Disney were rumoured to be buying Twitter. So, why not show some sports on Netflix? It's not a bad shout. It's not a bad yeah. shout. I just, I mean, Orange is the New Black. That's every man's guilty pleasure. I've still not seen an episode. Oh, mate. There's camel toes left, right and centre. Oh, and Ruby Rose. So, I mean, yeah. there's no reason for me not to. I just I just haven't got round to it. I also haven't got round to watching um, the... Uh, the Marvel series on Netflix. I, I've got them on my list to watch. I just I haven't watched them. Um, at the same time, I did watch uh, Pee Wee's Big Holiday. Yeah. So I, I I do watch original Netflix content, and Making a Murderer was the most compelling thing I'd seen in years. We've just watched the Pee Wee Christmas special from 1988 on Netflix. <laughs> And our Grace is now working her way through all five series of Pee Wee's oh, Big Playhouse. I used to love Pee Wee's Playhouse. 
It's very so, odd because in the UK, like we never got it. Like in America, it was shown on network television. We never got it until I think the early '90s, and Nickelodeon showed it. And I, 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 I was aware of Pee Wee Herman. I'd seen him in things, and I'd seen one of his films. Uh, his second film was on Sky quite a lot when I was a kid, but I, I didn't really know too much of him other than. Uh, when Nickelodeon started showing it, ironically, it was about the time he'd got arrested in America for, for lewd conduct, and his career was over. Um, but yeah, so so I I really enjoyed Pee Wee's Playhouse, and uh, I'm glad that a new generation are finding it. How old is he now? 60. Uh, yeah, he's in he's in his early sixties. Yeah. Sixty four. Yeah. Oh, it's clever though. If you actually see the making of that of that new film. Um, they in in the post they kind of edited all of his footage to smooth him out to make him look as young as as he did back then. I mean, to be honest, he does he still looks good for his age, but they just kind of smoothed out the the wrinkles and stuff just so he looks more like he did originally. Uh, very cleverly done, but yeah, yeah. I've got time for Peewee. I think they should bring back Alf. Oh yeah, they should love Alf. What about Bird in the Big Blue House? Yeah, I was never such a fan of that, but I, I, I was aware of it. Alf, yeah. We'll have to. What's right? So this is for the next show. Next yeah. show, we're going to do Christmas ideas and ooh, best Christmas, ooh, ooh. retro Christmas presents and best yeah. Christmases we've ever had and the worst Christmases we've ever had, but also. Um, what was the defining year of your youth? And let's just put it out there. So mine was 1984. I was 11. So that's all I'll say, and we'll come to that next episode. Hmm. Look, I'll have to have a, I'll have to have a think about that one. There's a couple that might might take it, but yeah. So um, we'd love to hear your suggestions. So if you uh, email us, Craig at DisneyBrit at Gmail. DisneyBrit. <laughs> Don't email them. <laughs> Adam Gunkers like that. Crikey, we've got an email, and it's not about <laughs> being a tree. Um, DisAfterDark at Gmail com we want to know what was the defining uh, year in your childhood so like i say mine was 11 years old 1984 so why was it the defining year what were the films of your year what was the album of your year all that type of stuff the sporting events you remember uh, and then what was the best and worst christmas presents you in your youth basically yeah, so we want to hear all about the things that you wanted for Christmas, you got for Christmas, uh, both good and bad. So yeah, the anticlimaxes, the things that blew your socks off, and literally, if we get an email, I will eat my own dagger of lust on the show. <laughs> That's his penis. Um, I'll, I'll remove your ribs. So yeah, email us there or. Um, Send us a message on Facebook um, at uh, Diz After Dark. Sorry, Facebook.com forward slash Diz After Dark podcast because um, we haven't got our own page for this one yet. Uh, on Twitter, we are Pop After Dark. 
pop after dark, I think, yeah. something like that. Yeah, well, find us on Twitter anyway. Um, and you can message us on the Facebook page or send us a private message. And uh, if you do contribute, we will read it out. Just ask Kevin Curtis Allen. We did that earlier. So thank you for, for listening. I um, hope you've enjoyed it. We'll try not to leave it so long next time. This next one will be recorded in about mm, two or three weeks, just before the start of Christmas. So get your uh, get your things in. And, um, yeah, we'll see you, hopefully, on the next show. Grim Grinning hosts suck my balls. This podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.